0: This is a complimentary piece of music from Free Sound Effects Library. For the full track, please go to freesoundeffectslibrary.org. Hello. I'm Alistair Bridge, travel writer, flaneur, and restaurant critic in exile after a certain editor at The Guardian, who shall remain nameless, found my views on Noma a little too hard to stomach, if you'll pardon the pun. And you're listening to unlocked world. Now, as I speak, I am currently in the midst of a full lockdown in my modest Blackheath home for reasons that I shan't bore you with. Uh, Now, for someone with tastes as varied and exotic as mine, you may think that this would be driving me stir-crazy, but, my friends, it is not. By way of explanation, I refer you to a dear friend and advisor in troubled times, Mr John Keats. Who, in his poem, written on the day Mr. Lee Hunt left prison, writes, uh, well, it's such a wonderful poem that I think I shall read it in full. What though, for showing truth to flattered state, kind Hunt was shut in prison, yet has he, in his immortal spirit, been as free as the sky searching lark, and as elate. Minion of grandeur, think you he did wait? Think you he nought but prison walls did see, Till so unwilling thou unturn'st the key. Ah, no! Far happier, nobler was his fate. In Spenser's halls he strayed, and bowers fair, Culling enchanted flowers, and he flew, With daring Milton through the fields of air, To regions of his own his genius true took happy flights. Who shall his fame impair when thou art dead? and all thy wretched crew." In broad strokes, what John is saying is that his friend's spirit was not really in prison, as he was able to imagine all sorts of wonderful things using only his mind. It would seem that uh, Mr Lee Hunt and I are cut from the same cloth as similarly whilst I may be trapped inside the modest yet stylishly bare walls of my domicile I am able to indulge myself in the pleasures of far-flung destinations merely by looking back over some of my many previous written works. Now, if you're listening to this, you're doubtless already aware of my published works, uh, works such as "Bridge Across Nations," uh, "Bridging the Gap," a deep dive into and around the world's many gorges, canyons, and crevices, and of course my account of a harrowing month-long experience in getting back to nature in the Brecon Beacons, "Bridge." Over the River Why. In this series, I will be delving back into some of my many various travel writings, from extracts from my books to previously unseen, unpublished accounts. And so, without further ado, friends, charge your glasses and open your minds as we take a trip to the Indian Ocean and to the bustling metropolis that is Colombo. This is a complimentary piece of it's a free sound effects. For the full track, please go to free sound effectslibrate.com. The first thing that you see when you step off the aeroplane at Bandaranaika International Airport is tarmac. And the first thing you feel is a wave of hot, humid air inviting forth from your pores a thick film of sweat. The complimentary gin and tonics in your system are reawakened, and you are once again drunk, both with drink and with the anticipation, as you look forward to getting to grips with what Colombo, the historic capital of Sri Lanka, or Ceylon to older readers, has to offer. Once you have composed yourself, you are able to descend the staircase and see the modest airport with its single runway and charming terminal. Making your way through passport control and idly scrutinising your photo in the queue as you do so, you are struck by how old you have become. And what great hope shines in the eyes of the young man in that battered little booklet. A window to a time before the twin axes of alimony and myopic editorial decisions had taken chunks out of the trunk of the Tree of Ambition. Out the front of the airport you were met by your, or rather I am met by my, driver, Karuna Ratna, a young man apparently named after a famed Sri Lankan poet. However, despite his namesake, I detected little lyricism in the man, his shabby appearance matched only by his shabby attitude, and our communications over the duration of my trip amounted to little more than a series of terse gruntings. Karuna Ratna sniffs a lot, perhaps detecting the alcohol on my breath and perhaps disdaining, although I had been given to believe that the Sri Lankans, as much as anyone, enjoy a drink. His disdain has helped little when I crack open my bottle of duty-free whisky and offer him a slug. Now where I come from this would be gladly accepted whether one is at the wheel of a moving vehicle or not, Clearly, I have much to learn about the customs of this exotic nation. Now, not wishing to be sheltered from what the real Colombo has to offer, I have not, as I usually would, booked myself into the Hilton, but instead into the best western on Edmonton Road. Karuna Ratna takes some time to comprehend that this is where I wish to go and does not engage with my attempts to draw him on why the road is called Edmonton Road when it could have a Sinhalese name instead. I speculate that there is perhaps some Canadian connection and then switch tack and ask him if he has a Tamil. He merely fiddles with the meter and the numbers on the display begin to tot up faster and faster. Finally arriving at the best western, Karuna Ratna barks at me as I take a little too long fiddling with my rupees and I begin to regret that I have arranged to retain his services for the duration of my visit. Nonetheless, I slap a post-it note on his driver's side window with a hastily scrawled note instructing him to meet me at the hotel at dinner. He drives off before I can retrieve my case from the boot of his banged-up little car. I consider chasing the car, but after a few steps I realise that I would be better served by conserving my energy and getting settled into my room safe in the knowledge that Karuna Wakda will be back at dinner time if he wishes to collect the remainder of his fee. Besides, I still have my whisky in my hand luggage. After some negotiations at the check-in desk I am permitted into my room. The bellboy seems irritated that I am requiring him to carry only my duty-free carrier bag and objects to my attempts to extract the whisky from it in the lift. I explain that my driver has my case and that I am still prepared to give him half of my standard tip provided he lets me drink my whisky and he relents as we reach the sixth floor and I take a greedy slug as we make our way down the corridor to my quarters. Once in my room, I set my bag down on the windowsill and take a look out the window onto the exotic, bustling street. Directly across the road are Air Express Logistics and Forward Logistics, along with a printer and toner shop. I am reminded that my cyan and magenta cartridges at home are running low. After another generous slurp of whiskey, I reach for my phone in order to order some cartridges, but quickly realise that I have left my phone as well in Karuna Ratna's car. I resolve to sleep until dinner. Some hours later, my head still rather fuzzy, I rise. I have slept through dinner, and it is now three AM. Groggily I call down to room service and manage, with no small amount of wit and charm, to arrange the delivery of an egg to my room. I scoff my egg Venture into the bathroom to splash some water on my face and return to bed. Karuna Ratna, doubtless, will meet me at the hotel in the morning. At midday, I rise once more, and make my way to the front desk to inquire about breakfast, which I am promptly informed I have missed. I ask whether Karuna Ratna has been by, now starting to grow a little concerned for my bag. The girl at the desk suggests, with no small amount of smirking, that she feels that it is unlikely that he will be back. With my stomach now rumbling and an urge for some authentic Sri Lankan luncheon items overcoming me, I resolve to make some preliminary explorations into the city on foot. Stepping out onto the street, I am struck by the coarseness of the air. It feels thick with traffic, fumes and noise. Taking a few cursory, nervous glances in either direction, I'm unable to see any outlets which appear to serve food. I do, however, rest my eyes upon Toner LK Printer and Supplies Showroom and remember the sorry state of my cartridges. I recall that on my desktop computer back home, there is a rather nifty little poster that I knocked up to remind my neighbours not to use my bins under any circumstances. I may not be a graphic designer by trade, but I do feel that some of the touches on my poster are rather snazzy and would be done a disservice if printed without the full suite of cartridges on hand. I cross the dual carriageway, eliciting a cacophony of passive-aggressive honking from the irascible drivers of Colombo. My attitude towards this grumpy little island begins to sour somewhat. Upon entering Toner LK, I am unable to remember the make of my printer. I spend some moments describing it in what detail I can remember, but try as I might, I cannot visualise the logo. After around ten minutes of back and forth with the shopkeeper, an ugly little man whose command of English is less than proficient, I turn tail and exit the shop. If he doesn't want my business, then he shan't have it. However, mere seconds later, in the middle of the dual carriageway, I am struck by a thought, and almost a car and race back inside, only to be told that there is no such brand as Hewlett-Pagnall, and ushered out in a brusque manner by the shopkeeper's heavy-set nephew. This is the last straw, or as the Sinhalese would have it, Antima Peduru. From the front desk of the Best Western, I managed to place a call to my PA, Julie, who is able, at some considerable expense mind, to arrange a flight home that very evening. I mutter a little hallelujah under my breath and return to my room to collect my whisky before flagging a cab to the airport. To hell with my bag and to hell with that swine Karuna Ratna. If he wants my shorts, my linen shirts and my Havayanas, he can damn well keep them for all I care. Plenty more where they came from, perhaps too many, as my cleaner always seems to imply with her eyes. Whilst Colombo may be the historic capital of Sri Lanka, these days the official administrative capital is Sri Kotte, a satellite city located within the urban area of the de facto economic and legislative capital Colombo. The Sri Kotte Municipal Council area is bounded in the north by Kolonawa Urban Council area, the northeast by the Koti... Kotika, Kotika, Wata, Mulleriawa, Pradeshia, Sabah area, the east by the Kaduela Municipal Council area, the southeast by the Maharagama Urban Council area, the southwest—it's obviously by this point in the piece I was working through a deadline, um, so perhaps, uh, perhaps not the best example to kick off with. I'm, I'm sorry. Join me next time when I will be taking another trip around the world from the comfort of my living room. On Unlocked World, I'm Alistair Bridge. Goodbye. This is a complimentary piece of music from Free Sound Effects Library. For the full trip, please go Unlocked to Unlocked World was an Alistair Bridge production in association with Bridging the Gap Educational Foundation. If you enjoyed the podcast please do leave us a review on itunes acast or whatever podcast app you are using um, uh, and a brief note if anyone is aware of a free ro- royalty free music uh, provider please do let me know as my usual resource is as you can hear letting me down a little bit here please do uh, like and subscribe and we'll see you next time thank you very much library. for the full track please go to oh free sound, of sound of Oh